the enemy, the Bible says he's not. He goes about like a roaring lion. Just He's trying to sound as awesome and as scary as he can so he can stop us. Uh, one of the first, the first messages I ever preached, I think it was might have been the, the second time that I, I've preached back in like 1994. And I preached a message, out shout the roar. And, uh, and uh, I hadn't preached it again since. Might, might ought to dust it off and <laughs> preach that. You know, uh, but I, I realized something early on serving God that if I'm going to be like the people of God, I'm going to be making some noise. The only thing I can see about that silent stuff is it says that the dead praise not the Lord. I don't want to be Im imitating the dead, but I want to praise on my lips. I want to hear, I want the Lord to hear me. One place it says that the meditation of my heart and the words, words be acceptable. Praise God. God will do it, won't he? Give him one more hand clap and a shout in this house. What a great God. Thank you. Hey, choir, thank you. Thank you, Sister Elena, for... We're not just shrugging that off and, and, and sending us a song to sing that would involve us in worship with the Lord and remind us that we've got a voice in this war with the Lord today. Praise God. The Lord's good to us. I know time's moving on. I will be as expedient as I can. Oh, it ain't, it ain't late. It ain't even 1 o'clock. I got you. No, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to preach and something I feel like will help us in here today Ephesians chapter 2 if you have your Bibles read quickly these scriptures and we'll get into this message today Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 and 5 need to listen up need to listen up but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you're saved. Psalm 139 and 6 says this, speaking to the Lord, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. I want to preach on this thought just one word today. Regardless, let's pray for the lesson. Lord, thank you for your presence that we have felt. And thank you for the encouragement that you've already given. And now, Lord, I ask that you anoint these lips of clay and fill my mouth with words for your people. Let us be transformed today, encouraged, made better. Let our faith be lifted up. God, we're going to give you praise and honor and glory for all things, for every victory in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap and a shout before you sit. Come on, lift your voice one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise him regardless of how we feel. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Thank you, darling, for the music today. So God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together. Even when we were dead in sin, has quickened us together with Christ. Psalm 139 and 6, again, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect. We need, or at one time we all needed, saving First Timothy 1 and 15 says this, that this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Jesus 
basically made the same statement speaking to himself or speaking about himself in Luke 19 and 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And this great and loving Savior who offers to you and I so great a salvation that he would take our place and that he would give his life for us and and be who he is for us. He did this. It, It seems hard to believe because we don't feel worthy. And it seems hard to believe that that could actually be for you and I. But today, I need to remind you that he said, my eyes did see, or your eyes did see my substance, Lord, even though I was imperfect. The Lord formed us from the womb. You can't hide from God. He has observed you and I and all of our imperfections since we were born. He has watched us and he knows exactly what we are. The Lord knows every mistake, slip up, mess up. He even knows about every intentional act of rebellion. Every word that we speak or have spoken, every thought that we have thought or are thinking, every place we have been or should not have been, we have been watched and we have been listened to. There is not one single thing that Jesus did not or does not know about us. But regardless... When we say that, that means I'm going to do this regardless. You ever done that? Well, I'm going to do it regardless of the consequences. I'm going to buy it regardless of what it costs. I'm going to pursue this regardless of what it cost me. And Jesus died for us regardless of who we were, where we've been, what we've done. Regardless, he died for you and me. Why would he do that? Because that is what he does. He came to save sinners. He came to seek and save the lost. It is not only about what you've done, but it's about what he does. It's not only about what you've done, it's about what you need. He looked past my faults and he saw my needs. Uh, uh, I need a savior. I needed a way to be saved. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And that's exactly where we have all found ourselves, Because there is none righteous. No, not one. I see the Lord in scripture talking to people whose lives are a wreck. He meets a woman of Samaria at the well who has had five husbands and is living with a man who is not her husband. And he offers her living water. And she goes back to the city to tell about this great man she has met. And she says, come and see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Yes, it was him. And regardless of her past... And regardless of what Jesus knew about her, he still offers her living water. I want to tell you something in here today. That just because you're born again doesn't mean you're not ever going to battle guilt. Just because you've been baptized once and filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you're not ever going to slip and fall. The Bible says, though a good man fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Because regardless, Jesus is going to be reaching out. For the hand of the Lord will uphold him. I'm trying to encourage you in this house today that maybe you even don't even know the Lord like you ought to. And regardless of where you've been, Jesus still loves you. But even if you have known him, even if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, it's not too late for you to turn around. If you've made mistakes to say, Lord, I'm sorry, because regardless of what you've done, he still loves you. The whole story of the prodigal son lets us see that it doesn't matter what we waste or what we destroy or where we find ourselves. If we can make ourselves back to the father's house, regardless of the shape we are in, he is ready to fall on us, to hug us and to kiss us and to love us. Let me tell you, saint and sinner alike, regardless, there's a God that loves you. 
and a God that wants you to be saved. That, that his whole purpose, Jesus made the statement at his death, to this end was I born. I didn't come to be laughed at just for the fun of it. I didn't come just to kill some time and be rejected and, and mocked and killed. I didn't do it just because I had nothing better to do, but I did it because my creation, those that are formed in my image, my people, the ones that I've done miracle after miracle for, those people, I, I came to save them. Regardless of how they've treated me, I love them. Regardless of where they're at today, I still love them. Our failures, you've heard me say this before, but our failures are not a reason for him to withhold the offer of eternal life. But our failures are the reason that he offers us eternal life. I see Jesus in the scripture going to the ones that other people rejected. I see him speaking and helping the ones that others had written off. Healing, delivering, giving hope. Blessing the sick people, those that are possessed, the sinners. One woman they caught in the very act of her sin and they drag her before him. Not because they were really worried about her sin. They wanted to trap him. To, to them, she was just a pawn. She was expendable. She didn't mean anything. They just wanted to trap Jesus and see what he would say. And, and they drag her and they're cursing her and, and shouting at her and thrust her down in front of the Lord. And, and uh, uh, they want to see her die. We want to make, make him uphold the law. But regardless of where she found herself, regardless of how close to the edge of of life she was regardless to how close to judgment she was when Jesus was done it was only her and him fresh out of her sin some people say that she probably was, wasn't even dressed I don't know I do know that no one was left and Jesus said where are those that accuse you and she said nobody and he said, all she could hear was these beautiful words. Neither do I condemn thee. Go thy way and sin no more. Regardless, child, of where you've been, you've got another chance to get it right. He could have stood with Moses, but he realized that the hearts of those that were accusing her weren't in the right place either. And that he knew what their intentions were, so he let them know. And you know what? Regardless of their, their trickery, he loved them too. I want you to understand something. That you can't do anything to make God not love you. You can be wrong. And you can be in sin. And he'll still love you regardless. You can have your back full face turned away from him. But he'll love you regardless. And you can be struggling and wondering and thinking about quitting regardless. He still loves you. I need you to see something today. Because as time goes on and if we tarry on this planet, you're going to have every opportunity that you want to quit. The enemy is going to take every available opportunity to accuse you. The scripture says he is the accuser of the brethren. He's going to remind you of your past, of your hang-ups, your slip-ups, of everything that's gone wrong. And he's going to try to convince you you're unworthy. But the Bible says, even when we were dead in trespasses and sin. Even when we were unworthy and unholy, unthankful even, ungrateful. Not acknowledging him, not caring about him, not speaking to him, not praising or praying. When we were doing our own thing, even then... He loved us and gave himself for us. I see the Lord in Scripture sitting at the table with drunks and thieves, praying for prostitutes, going to those that were devil-possessed, even going to those who were dead. He was always going to people in need. He said in Matthew 9, verse 11, and when the Pharisees saw what the Lord had done, 
They said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I realized today that I was sick. I realized today that I was a sinner. And I realized that today in this flesh I can still sin. Don't let somebody tell you that you can't sin anymore and, and stop you from repenting and, and asking forgiveness. Listen, he's ready to forgive. He's ready to save and he's ready to bless regardless of where you find yourself. If we confess our faults, he is faithful. Every fault, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, however cold you've gotten, he said, if you can confess your fault, then he'll forgive you. He's faithful like that. And he said, I came to call sinners to repentance. He called people who were lost. He called drunks, prostitutes, murderers, thieves, all kind of Whatever, you just start thinking in your head. Try to think up something wrong, ugly, sinful. That's who he called. Because he said, there ain't nothing done so wrong that I can't make right. That if I can get you to a place of repentance, I can get you to a place where your life can be changed forever. If I can just, he said, I'm calling you. I'm not just going to take you like you are and not change you. He'll love you just like you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. He said, I came to call you to repentance. Well, we need a revival of repentance in the church today. We need to hear the call that he's still saying, hey, child, if you make a mistake, just fall down. Find that place of repentance again. It works more than once. It worked the first night when I fell down on my knees in January of 1993. It worked, honey. I, I turned my life around and walked away, but I have repented more times than I can remember since 1993. And I thank God that it still works, that it still helps me today. Regardless, he's going to love you. Regardless, he'll still help you. All we're sinners. And regardless, he still calls us. The voice of the Lord still ringing out to those that will listen to change, to be better, to be healed, to be delivered, to have victory in their life. In the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For the who? The King of glory, the Lord God Almighty. The creator of the universe. He died for the princes and the queens and the princesses and the nobles and the righteous. He died for the ungodly. He died for the ungodly. The Bible says in one place there was a time we were not even the people of God. Or not a people but now we are the people of God. When we were not even a people to him, when, when he was preaching to the Jews first, because that's where salvation went first, but we were next in line. Praise God that he was looking down the road and said, it don't matter, all flesh belongs to me and all souls are mine, saith the Lord. And look unto me, all ends of the earth, and be ye saved. He knew that everybody needed him, and the call went out because all have sinned, regardless of what they've done regardless of where they found themselves. So he died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commends his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were sinners, the call was going out. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Not righteous, not good, not holy, not worthy, it wasn't about what we didn't have, but it was about what we had. A God. When I didn't have any righteousness, when I didn't have anything good, I still had a God. When I didn't know him, I still had him. 
It wasn't about what I lacked. It was about what I had that saved me. I had a God. I had a God that loved me. Because God commended his love towards us. And Proverbs 10 and 12 says, Love covereth all sin. Before I knew him, he loved me. We love him because he first loved us. You have never existed one day, ever, even in the womb, without the love of God. There's not a creature on this planet that's, that's made in his image that has ever existed without the love of God. When he sees that child conceived in the womb, he loves it. Before it's conceived, when, it, when it's just the idea that it'll be here, he already loves it. God loves because that's who he is. And so when you didn't have any hope, you still had love. When you didn't have a way out, you still had love. Because you still had God. Because the call was going out to sinners. Regardless of where we found ourselves. Regardless of where we find ourselves. God still loves us. And God is still reaching for us. Because too many wonderful, born again, precious children of God are falling by the wayside because they feel unworthy. Because they feel like they've messed up too bad. But I, I'm not just talking to those that never known God. I'm talking to the church today. Don't let your mistakes stop you from living for God. Don't let what's gone on in your past keep you from ministering and keep you from serving and keep you from going to heaven. Why would you die, the Lord asked one place. Why would you die, saith the Lord, when you've got a Savior? Why would you quit? Why would you be defeated when you've got a God on your side? Why would we end up in a place reserved for the devil and his angels? Why would we wind up in hell when we've got a God? It's, no, it's not God stopping us. It's God calling us. We think about... Greater love has no man. God's love is, is nothing greater than that. And then, but included in that is the greatness I feel is that because I know how unworthy I was. What makes that so great? You know, that's why I said for a righteous man, but God died for sinners. And so what magnifies this sacrifice in our hearts and in our minds, and sometimes what makes it so hard to accept is that we realize just how unworthy we are and how unworthy we were and where we were when God found us. I can remember the state of mind I was in hours before I came to church that night. Well, David, I knew what I was like just hours before falling down and crying out to God. I'm not talking, I hadn't been getting holy for a month before I came and prayed. I was still doing everything that I was doing. And God was still calling. It's like he had me on the line and I was doing everything I could to get off. He's a good fisherman. He knew what to do. And he kept on and kept on and kept on. And he kept letting me feel this and let me feel that and let me see this and let me see that. And, and I'm telling you, I was just hours away from turning my back. And that night I sat in that church. When the power of God got on me, that the only thing I could think was that God has heard me. And he, I felt him. I said, I would know to tell you as I just felt God. And I felt it moving in me. Not just a feeling goosebumps and things like that. I'm talking about something like it was physically churning inside my body. And I leaned over and cried and I thought I, I wanted to hide because I knew I said, I can't believe that you're here, God. I can't I felt what it was like to be unholy in the presence of the holy. And the only place there is to go when you feel that is to the altar of repentance. That's the only answer. Because if you run from it, you'll feel that the rest of your life. But if you can find your way to the altar and get down and cry out to him and cry out, save me and forgive me and change me, he's ready regardless. 
God, can you do anything with this? Oh, yeah. God, can you really fix this? Let me tell you, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done, regardless, he will still love you, and he still reaches for you, and he will still love you, and love covereth all sin, all of it. Let me tell you, I, we could blow your, you could just start blowing your own mind, and you could start making yourself mad because there's a lot of things that we think are unforgivable in this world. And there are some things that are terrible and awful and unholy, but they're not unforgivable. There's some things that are wicked, desperately wicked, but they're not unforgivable. The blood of Jesus washes us from all sin. Regardless, he died for us. Jeremiah 31 and 3 says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me. It's not a neat thing for God to say what he's about to say. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee, or I've put the call out to you. The word everlasting there means time that is out of mind, or in other words, you can't comprehend eternity. Don't say you understand eternity because you don't. Because <laughs> we're not eternal yet. You can't grasp it. It means time that's out of mind, past or future. The beginning of the world always without end. And we've always been known by him. And we've always been loved by him regardless of what we've done. It's hard to comprehend eternity or his great love. It has no equal. We said it already. Greater love has no man than this that he would lay down his life for his friend. He loves us and he has plans for us. We read part of Isaiah today. Another part of that scripture that we talk about this time of year, Isaiah 53 and 5. Watch what he says here. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and it's with his stripes that we are healed. Jesus was not being punished when he went to the cross. He was not being punished for anything that he had done. I want to read something from this book by A.W. Tozer, something he said about what Jesus went through. Maybe it will give you a little understanding today. He said, but the suffering of Jesus Christ was not punitive. It was not for himself and not for punishment of anything that he himself had done. The suffering of Jesus was corrective. He was willing to suffer in order that he might correct us and perfect us so that his suffering might not begin and end in suffering, but it might begin in suffering and end in healing. Brethren, that is the glory of the cross. That is the glory of the kind of sacrifice that was for so long in the heart of God. That is the glory of the kind of atonement that allows the repentant sinner, who's he calling? Sinners. To come into peaceful and gracious fellowship with his God and creator. It began in his suffering and it ended in our healing. It begins in his wounds and ends in our purification. It began in his bruises and it ended in our cleansing. He had a reason for what he did. And it still works today. 1 Samuel 2 and 8 says, He raiseth up the poor out of the dust. And he lifts up the beggar from the dunghill. To set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. I've always kind of just been in awe of this scripture because if anything gives me an insight to the love of God it's this because it says he raises up the poor and lifts up the beggar he knows who and what we were and it says and he takes them from the dung hill that's exactly what it sounds like filth waste of the world he takes us from the waste of this world 
He knows who we were, what we were, and where we were. But then he also knows where he wants us to be. And he sets them among princes and makes them to inherit. If you're inherited, then you're a child. You're an heir. You're a child of the king. He, in other words, he's saying he takes them out of all that and makes them to be something special, something royal, something that they've never known before, something completely different from where he found them. And it ain't up to anybody else because he says, for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he sets the world upon them. God designed it. God makes the decisions. Nobody else gets to say, you're not worthy. You're you're too busted and broken to be of any good to the kingdom. You, you've made too many mistakes. Nobody else gets to say that. God is not through with us yet. God is not through with you yet. Honey, you can come on to the music. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, some of our favorite scripture to remind us of what God's done 9 through 11 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, not thieves, not covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And he's writing this letter to the church at Corinth, and he looks out across all those saints, I guess, as he, he's thinking in his mind of this church, and he can see their faces, no doubt, and then he goes, and such were some of you. I, I fall in that list. I fall in that list. And such were some of you. But regardless, you are washed and you are sanctified and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He knows what you were. And yet he provided a way for you to be washed, sanctified, and justified. He knows who you were, but he wants you to be changed. He wants you to be cleansed. He wants you to be sanctified and justified. He, he wants to erase it like it never happened. He wants to, to make all things new. And sometimes we feel like that really, we feel like that really worked the first time. But sometimes after we've served God, made mistakes, if we're not careful, we'll keep a broken down attitude. Oh, we'll come to church and we'll still amen and nod in agreement that God loves us, but we just feel like, yeah, but, you know, I, I'm imperfect now. I was so perfect when I came out of that water and Man, the first few days I was so good and then well, I just messed it up what God gave me. And, and we don't want anybody, it's like we're trying to hide something. Like we, we scratched it or dented it or broke it and we don't want anybody to see it. So we just shut it up and hide it. And God's saying, well, I can fix that. I can, I can, I can fix that. And I ain't talking about he's going to duct tape it. The Bible says he makes all things new. And that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. In Ephesians, Paul is writing about the relationship between the church and the Lord and compares it to husband and wife. And we know that when Adam received Eve, that he made the statement, she's flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. Well, Paul made that statement about us and the Lord. He said, for now you are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. See, to us, when something is broken, it's not any good anymore. Oh, it's broke. It can't be fixed. If you break your arm, it doesn't work right. If it's not set, it won't heal right. But even in the natural, if we break a bone and they set it, if you look at the x-rays, you can see where it was set, where the break was. They call it remodeling. 
and it grows back together. But, but see, here's what Jesus does. When he was on the cross and the soldiers came to break the legs of those hanging on the cross they, so that their death would speed up, they found him already dead said, so they didn't break his bones. And we think, well, that's, well, that's good, but that was written of him. Well, the scripture said, he keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Now, if I'm flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, he keepeth his bones. I'm not talking about being broken in your spirit. I'm talking about in, in having a broken heart. That happens. I'm talking about you being broke. Your walk being broke. But somehow, he fixes that to where it's not even broken. And it's not just patched together or barely holding together or, yes, together, but it's weak. No, I make all things new. Or I make it just like it never happened. That's what justified means. I wash it away. Even when you, after you've been his for a while and you make a mistake and you repent of that sin, you know what he does? He throws it behind his back. I'm not looking at that. He doesn't have that in front of him. He's not. It's like it never happened. He keeps his bones. Jesus said he was like a physician. He said, I didn't call them that are whole. He said, the ones that are whole don't need a physician. He said, but those that are sick. And when you're broken and you go to him, he makes it like you're not broken because he keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. He was the Passover lamb. He was the lamb of God. And in the first Passover, the Lord told him, said, you make sure you don't break any bones of that lamb. Eat the flesh. But don't break a bone of it. We're his body. He keepeth his bones. Let's stand together. Let me tell you, regardless of what's happened, regardless of who has made you feel like you're worthless, like you don't amount to nothing, that you don't matter, I'm going to say this. If it's you looking in the mirror telling yourself that, stop it. Stop saying things that Jesus would not say to you. Stop saying things that God doesn't think about you. God does not think you're worthless. God does not think you're useless. God does not think you're finished. He doesn't think you're damaged goods. And, and he doesn't think you're just limping by. But he says, my children are more than conquerors through me. And my children can do all things through me. And I can make anything new. So we think that 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 is only for the sinner. If any man be in Christ. But he wrote that to the church. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. What was one of the last things Jesus said to his disciples in John 15? Abide in me. He said, my disciples need to stay in me. Sure, we can let the sinners know that's what you've got to look forward to if you get into him. But this was Paul encouraging the church. Hey, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Stay in him. Because he keeps his bones. Not one of them's broken. Isaiah 42 and 20, 45 and 22 says this. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. I'm telling you that at the, at the very end here because I need you to stop looking for other ways to be saved. You need to stop looking for other ways to be fixed. You need to look unto the one that can fix it all. God is love, and love covers all sins. He said, look to me. Look to the one that has loved you from the very beginning. 
Look to the one who's never left you or forsook you. Look to the one that gave his life for you. Look unto him and be saved. So as we open this altar this morning, I want you to know that regardless, regardless of what you've done, regardless of how you feel, Jesus loves you today. And he's here to do a work in your life. Would you come and kneel today and pray and let the master work on you? Let him fix it today. You've been carrying it long enough. You've been dealing with it long enough, trying to fix it yourself. Today, come and lay that shame down, that guilt down. Leave it today at this altar. The Lord's calling. We need saving. And regardless, the Lord can take care of it today.
God, you're so good. God, you're so good to us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I believe the, the Lord's here to set people free and deliver them today. I feel like the message we heard at the beginning of the service uh, let us know that, that out of this altar there would be deliverance today. And Sister Bibby, come here. She had something that she felt like the Lord laid on her heart. She showed it to me, and I feel like it would be a good way as we close this altar service for us all to participate in this for just a moment. Let's, let's listen to what the Lord said. Praise the Lord, church. Um, in war room earlier today, I mean, God moved in an incredible way. And I saw a vision. Like, I just heard, like, dripping water, kind of like in a dungeon. And I saw people chained up, in bondage, trapped. I mean, it was dark. It was not good. And I feel like there are those in here today that are, are in spiritual bondage, that they're trapped in a dark place, that they feel like they have nowhere else to go. And the thing is, we have been created in God's image. And if that's so true, then our voices are fashioned after God's voice. And honestly, if you feel like you have been surrounded by darkness lately, if you feel like you just can't be free, you can't be free from whatever has been holding you back, then you have to use your voice and say, let there be light. I am free because Jesus has made me free because it is written, whom the Son sets free is free indeed, church. And we have to proclaim that we have to be that light in the darkness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. I I believe the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it be established. And I believe there was two witnesses out of that war room today that let us know that uh, God was here to do some great things. So take somebody by the hand. We're going to pray together and we're going to we're going to say, let there be light. Hallelujah. Come on, lift those hands up and begin to pray. Lord, let there be light. Let there be light in our situation. Lord, in this trial or test I'm in today, let there be light. Lord, if we abide in the light, then there's no reason for us to stumble. Hallelujah. So, Lord, let there be light. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Lord, deliver us from spiritual darkness. Deliver us, Lord, from the dungeon. Deliver us in this altar today. Let us leave here with the help we need in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's it, church. Lift your voice. Don't leave here without what you need. Don't leave without what God came to give you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, come on, clap your hands and shout to God. Hallelujah. The Bible says that he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So uh, keep him in your life. Keep his word. It's a light unto your path, a lamp unto your feet. Keep light in your life. Be victorious and delivered. You feel like God's helped you today. I feel like the Lord's helped us in this house today. Praise God. I appreciate all those that have just obeyed the spirit of the Lord and helped us and helped this service along day. I appreciate our visitors. Let's give our visitors a hand this morning. We thank you for being with us. Hope we'll find you back here again and hope that we'll see you tomorrow night as we get ready for prodigal prayer at 7 o'clock. Be here for that if you can. We'd love for everyone to come and Uh, Just be the biggest prayer meeting we've had yet. Let's just come and be ready to worship the Lord. God bless you. Have a wonderful day and be safe. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.